Hello and welcome to VChat number 50. My name is David Davis from vmrvideos.com and I'm honored to be joined by... I'm Simon Seagrave from techhead.co. And we're honored to have a special guest on today's episode, our special milestone number 50 VChat edition. Uh, special guest is Mr. Bill Clayman. He is the CTO of MTM Technologies. He's also a writer, blogger, speaker, uh, analyst, uh, industry expert extraordinaire. Thanks for being on the show, Bill. Oh my God, it's an absolute pleasure. I cannot believe this is number 50. What, what a treat. <laughs> uh, milestone VChat. Uh, now I'm normally excited. Now this is this takes me to a whole different level. So I, I hope everyone's sitting down and absolutely buckled up for this. this is be fun. That's, well, that's not bad actually. We're coming up for ten years now. We've been doing this, and uh, we're up to episode fifty uh, <laughs> episodes a year. I tell you what, we're not uh, we're not breaking any records here. But probably for the duration, we've been doing it, but not for the number of episodes. Definitely, <laughs> Simon. We're going for quality. This is a quality show. It takes time. Quality, not quantity. Exactly. And we only talk about things when we've got something you know we want to talk about. Really important. And this is a really important topic today. We're going to be talking about this I IOT. Is it IOT? Is it is it IOT? It's Internet of Things, um, and Bill is an expert on it. Bill's been um, speaking at, at um, Interop about it. He's been writing about it. He's been putting it in practice in real companies. Um, and before, you know, this episode actually came about because Bill and I were chatting, and he was saying that his home is like Tony Stark's home, like Iron Man's home. Is, is that true, Bill? You know, it's, it's pretty accurate. And on, on that note, hold that thought. Alexa, turn on office light. There we go. That's a little bit better. Get some light going in here just so it's not too dark over there. Um, yes, I know that was kind of facetious, but uh, my, my uh, you know, Amazon and Alexa ecosystem uh, is kind of like Jarvis right over at uh, Tony Stark's house. So uh, a lot of configuration, a lot of really cool sensors over the door, Nest thermostat sensors in your opening doors, leak sensors. I've got my garage connected. I've got an egg counter in my refrigerator. I've got a washer and dryer. Uh, that are just amazing pieces of technology because I can literally, I've got the, uh, the Whirlpool app on my phone and you know how on a wash and dryer, you've got different kinds of cycles. You've got whites and darks and all that stuff. I can go on my app and download the wash soccer clothes cycle, push it <laughs> and throw dirty soccer clothes into the washer and then send that cycle down a machine from my phone and it starts. I mean, it's ridiculous, but <laughs> uh, that, that's, the, that's the journey we're on. But as funny as this might sound, um, you know, everybody listening to this, ask yourself the same question. How many devices do you have in front of you right now? Or maybe you've got pieces of a connected home in your environment too. Um, you know, this is going to become the new normal, this persistent state of connection. So uh, as funny as it is to have sort of an Iron Man house, um, I'll tell you what, it, it's a reality. And it's something that we're all going to be very much used to in the near future. Yeah, well, it's something I've been implementing probably over the last sort of uh, six to 12 months. I mean, as my, um, uh, I moved into a new house, uh, what, last November, and uh, the smoke sensors here were pretty old. So I've been swapping those out. I've got about another one to add, but I've been in implementing the, uh, the Nest uh, smoke and carbon monoxide uh, uh, detectors here. They've been brilliant, but I'm looking at a way now to sort of bring all of those together to a centralized app. Um, as well as that, I have uh, a couple of Piper security uh, cameras as well, uh, one in the garage, one in the house. And uh, I want to try and bring all that together. Um, and, and this house has a basement as well, and we've had it flood on us once so far. So uh, here in the northeast uh, of the US, uh, we have some pretty, as, as I found out firsthand, uh, that, that some pretty big storms that come through and we lose power. 
And so the sump, sump pump goes out and that's where the uh, water tables come up and uh, come through the floor and potentially flood. So that really opened my eyes to, hey, we've got this basement in this house. I've never had a basement before. I'd probably go down there once a week. I've got no idea what's happening down there. So I could have an oil leak, uh, you know, from the uh, from the heaters. I could have a water leak from burst pipe, anything like that. So um, I'm actually looking at putting some smart water sensors down there. And uh, Bill, you mentioned you had some of those as well. Uh, and what I'm hoping to do is actually tie all those things together to a centralized hub or or an app that will tell me what's going on in, in the house at a single point in time. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the very early stages of the journey into IoT, but uh, yeah, really enjoying it and, and really seeing the, uh, the start of the potential, what, what, what I can actually achieve with these uh, new tech devices. You know, Simon, that, that's funny you mentioned that. Uh, quick thought, if, you, if everybody listening on this as well has got a whole bunch of devices and a phone with a whole bunch of apps, I recommend Samsung SmartThings or Wink, right? There we go, you can see it on my phone right there. These are all the things, so garage and remotes and uh, ring doorbell and all these different kinds of sensors and locks and uh, there's an egg counter in there somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, but all oh, the Nest thermostats, all the cameras, you can connect and aggregate all of that into one kind of architecture, leveraging Bluetooth, Z-Wave, Zigbee, Wi-Fi. Um, as long as you take a look at the Wink website or things like Works with Nest, you can really kind of pull those things together. And what's really cool is that all of these devices can then connect into things like uh, Alexa or, or your, your voice recognition kind of a hub. Um, so I do recommend the aggregation because uh, it does help you manage all that kind of stuff. So Samsung SmartThings, I love Wink. I think they've got a really good platform as well, a lot of, a lot of integration points. So food for thought. That is, it's interesting you mentioned those two products there because they're the two I got it down to is the Wink Hub 2 and also the uh, Samsung uh, SmartThings. Uh, they, 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 both, both those uh, ecosystems or, or those products there seem to be the, uh, the two front contenders for me at the moment. So I'm sort of toying between the two. They've definitely got pros and cons on both of them. Uh, mm -hmm. The fact that I want to integrate Nest into it, I'm pretty much sure I'm going to go down the, uh, the Wink path. Uh, but it's great, actually, uh, to, you know, to, to talk to someone else that's actually implemented uh, Wink already. So uh, we'll have to have a chat uh, offline on that. I'll tell you what, when you've got that and Philip's Hue in your house and you can tell Alexa to turn your living room red, I mean, you're, you're going to win. You're going to win. <laughs> there, there, there's, no, there's no going back from that at all. <laughs> so moving from cool, fun, home automation stuff. It, by, by the way, I'm actually interested in, in, in um, putting in internet enabled sprinklers have you done that yet bill you know what i haven't i've okay. looked at it and they can integrate by the way okay, okay. all these kinds of systems from what i've read uh they are unbelievable and they're amazing uh they work really really well i mean you're able to control zones in your yard um you're able to control water a lot more effectively and again you're able to integrate it on a schedule um a lot of times people absolutely waste water because those sprinkles aren't a scheduler but they're it's raining outside why are you watering your lawn yeah, I looked at one that can, you know, check the weather forecast to see if it's going to rain and not water. But then I'm also interested in ones where you can put essentially water sensors in your yard and only water if the yard needs water, because the forecast is, you know, probably wrong most of the time anyway. So I think that would be really cool. Um, Technology, you go green, man. Absolutely. About. So, so anyway, back to what I was saying, moving from home automation stuff, I want to talk for a minute about Interop. I know you were at Interop last week. You had a big session on IoT. Tell us about it, Bill. Sure, sure. So um, I've had experience working both like an independent analyst and with an MTM Technologies uh, with IoT devices. Um, and let, let's pause on that word for a second. Just call it connected things. Uh, anything that might be able to 
to process data potentially. It could be a door sensor, it could be a sensor on a crane, uh, it could be a workstation on wheels in a hospital. Um, you know, it could be it could be a laptop or a tablet or like an Android device or something. It doesn't. Uh, it, let's 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 blur the definition a little bit and just call it a connected thing. Um, and during the session, uh, I made it a point not to discuss a specific technology or a specific industry or vertical. Um, I tried really hard to sort of abstract it and uh, and go to very very high level, um, but really core to what everyone can take away from this environment. So let me let me kind of start here, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, every single IoT device that I've had a chance to work with across multiple different kinds of industries, pharma, FinServe, healthcare, uh, manufacturing, education, whatever, um, is always made up of core components. So a big challenge for organizations is say, okay, we're going to have this connected device, and they understand the physical nature of this connected device, but they might not necessarily understand the workings inside of it. And obviously, you don't need to pick it apart and really kind of look at it, but every single IoT device, and everybody listening right now, I'm breaking that fourth wall. This is to you. You, you can take this piece of information back to your organization or back to your house. It doesn't matter. 99%, I don't want to make it say 100 because there might be weird ones out there. 99% of the devices you're going to have are going to have six core components of IoT. And this is what I preach about all the time. Um, and that is compute, connectivity, uh, security, uh, analytics, ecosystem, and services. Again, uh, compute, connectivity, security, analytics, ecosystem, and services. And let's do a really silly example, right? Um, I could do I could do my Apple Watch uh, here. Let's do this. Let's do this Fitbit. It's charging right now, so I, I just took it off for a second. Uh, there we go. I, I've got plenty of devices in front of me, right? So uh, we've got this little Fitbit device, right? Um, and I just mentioned those six core components, right? So obviously, it's got a compute engine. It's going to have a processor on there. You might have some RAM. Uh, might even store a couple things here and there. But it's going to have a compute engine, right? You can't you can't uh, deny that. Connectivity, right? It's definitely going to have a way to connect, whether it's a different kind of watch. It's going to be Bluetooth potentially, wireless, maybe you know near-field communication, something along those lines. But it's going to have a method to connect. Um, security, right? Obviously, you can't just bump into an Apple Watch. It's going to have some kind of a secure connection methodology. So you're going to have some level of security of, of, uh, of that device. And then the analytics. Obviously, this thing collects data. That's what we're talking about. So they're all going to collect data. It could be as simple as a door opening and closing and how many times to the vast array of data that this thing will connect. Then the ecosystem, what does it sit on, right? Uh, what is the methodology actually processing? In some cases, it could be Apple iOS. This is a Fitbit proprietary architecture. You might be working with like a, an IoT aggregation hub in an operating system, but you're going to have an ecosystem that it processes on. Then finally, the services, right? So. An Apple Watch will correlate how many steps I've taken and when the last time I stood up was to send me a message to say, hey, Bill, stop sitting, get up for a second. And that's a service, right? right. So um, every single device that you're going to get a chance to work with is going to have those six core components. Now, that being said, when you go back to your own organization, you might have different priorities around those six core components. Uh, a hospital, for example, is creating healthcare monitors that go on patients. So I have to ask the question, are those monitors processing data, patient data, is it storing any of the patient data, or is it just transient? If it's not and actually storing data, can it be correlated back to the patient, and is it PHI or PII, right? Protected information, uh, pr uh, potentially identifiable information, and protected healthcare information. Um, so 
you know, from that perspective, right? Or if you're a manufacturing firm and you're just trying to uh, put sensors on cranes so you can get better metrics or statistics, maybe your priority revolves around things like analytics and the services that are coming out of it, maybe a little bit less on security, even though that's still important for you. Um, but whatever the case might be, as you're listening to this and as you're thinking about, well, what does my company have and what do I have in my house? You're gonna have those six core components. And as you design that kind of environment, um, it'll be critical to understand where those components come, come in. Again, compute, connectivity, security, uh, analytics, ecosystem, and services. That's, that's your formula for understanding IoT and potentially how it can impact your business. Then we can talk about uh, edge and security in just a second as well. Oh, interesting. I mean, you, you touched on some very uh, interesting areas there. I mean, I think you know, people listening to this think, well, you know, I haven't implemented or I haven't had sort of IOT touch my life yet. I think, you know, like you say, when they think about it, they have everything from the smartwatches. I mean, I'm wearing a Garmin at the moment, tracks my steps, connects back to a, uh, a smartphone app, does the analytics on it. Like you say, a wrapper around it, security wrapper to ensure all that data is secure. Um, it, it, it's amazing. Like we just touched on there, you know, whether it's just uh, simple things such as smoke detectors or, or, or something similar. But I mean, uh, you know, what, what's, what's the main enabler? What's, what's allowed IoT to really take off now? Is it, is it the cost of this technology has become so cheap now and also the uh, micro-ization, micro, uh, if that is a word, uh, of, of the components now that they can get down to such a small size uh, combined with cost to allow us to have these sensors, you know, distributed absolutely everywhere sure um, you know and we talk about there was a really, really interesting episode I heard about how, how a, an iPhone can have uh, several million eight to several million transistors sitting on top of uh, sitting inside the device whereas when it was first invented in the 1940s a transistor was the size of your hand right so you know you, you, you've condensed these this circuitry the microcircuitry to what we can put in these kinds of devices so obviously Moore's law plays into this right these devices get smaller smarter faster more economical potentially as well but the biggest driving factor, Simon, David, everybody listening to this, is data, right? Creating competitive advantages out of data. And what we're doing effectively with these connected devices is getting as close as possible to the process or end user um, as we can, closer than we've ever done this in the past, right? Healthcare, again, education, pharma, FinServe, and so on. So these big, big drivers are actually really good business drivers, and we're leveraging technology to simplify life and business process. And in the world of healthcare, for example, we're saving lives, right? Being able to respond faster, by being able to have better points of data, by being able to uh, give information to healthcare uh, and rescue operators much more effectively. Um, but again, to that extent, we've seen the evolution of things like Edge, right? Where the purpose of Edge, and you, you guys are gonna get so sick of this word, and, but it's not gonna go away. At a very, very, very high level, everybody, the purpose of edge computing is to allow you to process uh, data and information as close to the source as possible. It could be, again, an end user, it could be a machine, it could be a, a crane, it doesn't matter. That's the purpose of edge, for you to allow, uh, to be able to process data and information as close to the source as possible. So when it comes to IoT and why organizations are doing this, um, it's improved process, it improved competitive advantages, improved people's lives potentially, um, but again, yes, we've come down in cost. We've seen the use cases increase as well. Um, we're seeing all these organizations light up their data centers. I mean, there's so many examples of smart data centers out there that have like, you know, an entire rack with multiple sensors within the rack that are capable of taking so many different kinds of metrics. Even if a door opens, for example, all of that integrates into like a DCIM and pl platform. So 
uh, data center infrastructure management environment where you can integrate things like AI or machine learning to help you make better business decisions. I mean, these are like the fingers, right? The extensions of the business in our lives are able to connect. So there are so many different kinds of use cases. And the part of the reason why by 2020, there's going to be more than 50 billion connected devices, if not more, you know, in the world generating so much data. Um, one, one little final tidbit, look at what's happening in the world. Um, Microsoft has something known as Project Inner Eye. I, I recommend everyone take a look at that. It is, it's so cool. They leverage AI and machine learning and radiology technology to basically transform radiological images into measuring tools uh, to help things with oncology, advanced medical uh, research, and so on. Um, Rolls-Royce and Microsoft have new airplane engines that bring avionic analytics to life. Uh, GE has an engine that is capable of um, sending information down to ground crew to tell them that a certain component on the airplane is, um, is starting to experience some wear and tear to narrow down entire maintenance windows from like two to three hours down to 10 to 15 minutes. Um, or what about bringing an entire crane to life where you can see like a shipping container that's experiencing a slowdown potentially that you can isolate an issue within just a few minutes instead of several hours of troubleshooting. So there's so many different kinds of applications as long as you know what to do with it and as long as you have a good business case. Yeah, I mean, just, oh, sorry, David. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's one thing to use IoT in your house to, to uh, you know, check the status of your refrigerator or, you know, sprinklers or whatever it might be. But I find it really fascinating when you can use IoT to, you know, like you said, save lives or save billions of dollars uh, at these massive companies by making better decisions, you know, based on the data. Um, I want to talk about security uh, of IoT, but Bill, or uh, Simon, what do you want to ask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things there, Bill touched on it there. I mean, one of the interesting things that strikes me with IoT is the shift in architecture. I mean, you know, in the, the, the 90s, 2000s, um, you know, we've always had this centralized architecture that we've shifted to. Um, and, and things have tended to move away from edge, whether that's a, uh, you know, distributed uh, uh, a remote office or a remote site, back to the edge again. And it's interesting because the IoT, there are so many sensors out there generating all this data. Um, like Bill said there, it just makes sense that uh, for, for both speed and also for the amount of data. I mean, if you were to pass all this data from one, let's say it's in a manufacturing facility, across the wire, back to a core or, or centralized data center, have that process, you know, uh, um, uh, using sort of predefined algorithms or, or machine learning uh, style uh, analytics on it, then pass that data back. Something like manufacturing, it's probably not too time sensitive, but if you've got something, well, we're seeing autonomous vehicles coming through now. I mean, it hasn't got that time to pass all that sensitive information back to a centralized uh, 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 location, back to the car to make a split second decision. So it is phenomenal. I mean, just the amount of sheer data that's generated at these at the edge now, as, as Bill says, and I mean, obviously some decision needs to be made at the edge before it's passed back to the core, perhaps for some sort of uh, uh, larger analytics or deeper machine uh, or AI uh, learning to take place there. So Simon, let me, let me put some numbers behind what you just said, because what you said is really, really important. And again, everybody listening, you're going to hear this word, the edge, right? Distributed computing, distributed IT, the decentralization of the data center. That's true because a lot of organizations have found out that you can't process, just like Simon said, all of this data inside of a cloud. 
potentially, or even at a centralized data center because of proximity issues, data jitter, latency, data loss. I mean, listen, for some environments, it's fine, right? You can put this in a centralized data center, but when lives are at stake and health monitors and you have to respond split second, that's completely different. Um, about, uh, about a month ago or so, I spoke at AppCom Data Center World, um, and there I had a chance to do the keynote speech, and we talked about the state of the data center report that I helped co-author and conduct as well. And we asked the question around the edge. So if you think this is just another marketing term, don't. People are investing into this. Uh, and then this could be potentially something you need to look at as well if you're looking at edge or IoT solutions specifically. Um, during the conversation and during the report, we found out that four in 10 respondents have either deployed or are planning to deploy some type of edge compute capacity. And where today, some of these organizations might have five um, edge locations, within three years, that's gonna explode to 12. So we know people are investing in this. And the, uh, we asked the question of, what's the number one reason, the number one reason you're deploying edge compute capacity? IoT. 81% of people came back to us and said, the reason we're deploying edge compute capabilities is to enable IoT solutions. So, you know, if you're thinking that, oh my, I've got a manufacturing environment or I've got a hospital environment, I've got an education environment, I've got all these connected devices, that's gonna continue to grow. And the data that it generates is gonna continue to grow. And you might have a great relationship with a data center or a cloud, centralized cloud environment, but you're gonna have to ask yourself the question, is it valuable to me? Is it processing data the proper way? Am I able to impact my customers, my consumers, my students, my patients properly? Or do I need to find a better way to process this information? Because this data is not benign. It's valuable. And the better you can find value out of that data, the more competitive advantages you can create. Look at UPS, for example. You can have them open your door for you with an IoT lock, and they take a picture of your front doorstep after they deliver a package. You wanna talk about connected devices and IoT, these guys use it as a competitive advantage. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. Yes, I get a better experience, but they absolutely optimize routes, package delivery, um, you know, security potentially for the packages as well, all around connected things. You make a great point. I mean, we, and I think the, the data center, you know, in IT typically think of uh, data and compute moving more and more to the core, to the centralized data center. But, you know, with edge uh, and IoT, it's, it's a hab absolutely has to be distributed. Um, but what about security of all these devices that are multiplying like bunnies out there? Um, what have you seen around security? How are companies protecting them? What do companies need to do? All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, okay, so before I talk about security, I, I don't like fear, uncertainty, and doubt because I feel it stifles innovation and, and, and stifles growth. Um, but it's important to know that the bad guys are out there and the bad guys are continuously targeting your stuff. And there's, there's, no, there's no good news around that. I mean, they're gonna continue to do that because they're, they're motivated. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're growing into a realm of security where if, I, if you ask me what the state of the industry is, I will be honest and say it's in a state of chaos, right? Where a traditional firewall, even next generation firewall, is not going to solve all your problems. If anybody ever tells you that my one solution is going to solve all of your security challenges, get up and run because that's, that's just <laughs> not, not going to happen. You're going to have to have good best practices, good policies in place uh, to, to actually work with it. Um, you know, we're seeing attacks hidden in SSL layers. We're seeing how attackers are targeting mobile applications, how, uh, you know, we have to worry about hacked drones flying into our head. But IoT, 
will specifically gain notoriety um, as both an attack and a, a target source. Um, if you remember, everybody, about a year and a half ago, um, what happened, I, I, love, I love asking this question of the audience, and I, I wish I could see your hands go up, but if you remember the Mariah botnet, um, and this happened about a year and a half ago, where Dyn DNS, the Dyn services that, that support DNS services, um, was impacted by the single most fierce um, distributed denial of service attack ever, ever recorded in history. There's actually been a couple now, or one at least bigger, but uh, 1.2 terabits with a T was sent, of data was sent against Dyn servers, taking down things like CNN, Reddit, a whole slew of services as well. Do you know what caused that distributed denial of service attacks? IoT devices. Wow. Yeah, wasn't it cable boxes or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. DDRs, cable boxes, connected yeah. devices, IP cameras, 150,000 of them, all sent 1.2 terabits of data. And this was a lot because organizations deployed IoT devices just like anything else in their network, not really monitoring traffic, not really segmenting them on their network, not really setting good security policies. And this is where we're going to get into this next part of the conversation where you know, security, in a sense, it's not just a bad guy out there. It's an industry. Let's make this perfectly clear. It's an industrialization and most of all, an economization of hacking and the bad guys. So they're, they're working together. They're, you know, they're on the dark web, you know, um, where you can buy actual DDoS attacks per hour. I think it's like we did some research. It was like seven bucks an hour for a DDoS attack. Um, and so you can actually purchase these kinds of services. So when we talk about security, I'm going to give you the best piece of advice. And this is something we talked about earlier, right? Those, those six core components of, uh, of IoT. Um, and and just, so, just so the class can remember it, it's uh, compute connectivity, security analytics, ecosystem, and services. Um, when you work with security, and this is aside from an aggregation hub like a Wink or whatever the case might be, this is the best piece of advice I can give everybody, security based on context, right? Who are you? Who's connecting to the device? Are you a guest? Are you a user? Are you an attacker? Uh, actually using identity management to link into the aggregation hub and make sure that the device is actually connecting into the proper environment. Uh, what are you? What kind of device are you? Are you an Android device potentially? Are you a, um, a health monitor or sensor? Are you a door um, sensor? Are you a, an IP camera? What is the device itself? Uh, and then how is it connecting? Is it wired, wireless? Um, you know, you can get very, very granular. And my recommendation is your network is going to be your friend. And to be quite honest, that is going to be a huge source of security for you because when you're on the network, you can control granular aspects of all these devices. MAC address, for example. There are organizations that will not allow any device to join their network unless an administrator has physically put in a MAC address for one of the devices coming in. Network segmentation and isolation, using things like software-defined networking to monitor east and west traffic as well north and south into physical layers. So really segmenting that traffic. And what I've seen work brilliantly is creating an all IoT subnet segment of your network and then controlling everything that comes into it. Very strict thresholds, making sure that, uh, and you can even sub-segregate your IoT devices by department. So you can stop an attack if there's a DDoS element, if you see malicious behavior happening, uh, off-hours access. Um, you can even integrate identity access into a security platform to say, why is this user logging in at 10 o'clock at night? Flag this as malicious anomalous behavior and alert the administrator. That's how granular you can get. Do not, 
please don't just connect these devices to your network and think they're just as they're another router or another PC or something along those lines. They're not as, as smart, you know, even though they're connected devices and smart things, they have very specific purposes and use cases. Um, and then the other big element is where, where are these devices coming in from? Sometimes you might have mobile devices, workstations on wheels, like I mentioned earlier. Um, if you can, you can even geofence these devices very, very specifically and alert your administrator. If one leaves a room, for example, a building and even a certain floor or a city or a state, whatever. And you can actually take some really granular security policies. And then finally, when, when is this device connecting? Um, it, it's funny. There's I, I mentioned this to you guys uh, earlier while we were kind of chit-chatting before we pressed the record button. Um, there was a school right that had a whole a whole bunch of these um, these IoT Android devices, um, and unfortunately they got I don't want to say they got hacked, but you know kids like to download stuff, and a whole bunch of them got some some malicious malware on these Android devices, um, and so they started to flood the network at like 11 o'clock at night on a Friday. And so the administrator checks his phone, right? Checks his device, whatever it was, uh, sees that the network has already hit a threshold and the network was shut down as well as the port on the switch. So it didn't saturate the switch or the rest of the network. And then all he had to do was say, all right, there's probably something malicious or weird on it. You check the logs, found that it was some malicious piece of software that was trying to do a DDoS, uh, very sort of rudimentary. And then from his BYOD and IoT management ecosystem, wiped them. Wiped them, came in the next morning, um, and they were all ready to use back in the classroom, ready to go. I mean, that is a security architecture that reacted, that was mitigating the risk potentially, and then was able to respond very quickly without taking the network down. So this was a good deployment. But again, who, what, how, where, and when. And again, when you think about those six core compo components um, in your environment, those six core components of IoT, you can apply security based on context around those six core components that we talked about. And again, as you sit back and as you listen to this, you can take this conversation back to your own organization um, and just really sort of conceptualize it and personalize it as well. And it, it, I promise it'll make sense for you. Security based on context and understand those core components of IoT. So security, it doesn't have to be scary. Um, you can certainly do a lot of isolation, a lot of control, a lot of data control as well, anomalous behavior traffic or, or, or monitoring, um, and so on. But again, you, you absolutely need to take a contextual approach to security and know that you can't connect devices the same way as you would connect something else, potentially. Yeah, so yeah. IoT is fun in the home, but in the business, you need to do proper planning and, and take it real serious. Is that yep. kind of what I'm hearing? Well, if you, if you have as many devices as I do at your house, uh, I actually do have greater levels of security uh, right. in my house as well, which, listen, I, I, don't, uh, I don't not recommend that as well, right? I have thresholds set on my network. I have all my IoT devices connected to a specific network as well, um, you know, even including the Wink and all this different stuff. And I'll be honest with you, if I start seeing weird malicious traffic start to spike, I'm going to stop that traffic almost immediately because, you know, I could be either a victim or a zombie of a DDoS attack. And I don't want to be, I'm not going to be that guy. So, right. uh, you know, there's definitely security you can do in your own house as well. I mean, you know, locking down things via Mac address, it's not a bad way to go. Yeah, definitely implementing sort of IoT devices. If you want to sort of get your get your feet wet in, in this area, definitely implementing your own sort of uh, uh, IoT infrastructure within your house there. 
uh, it's definitely a good way to go. Um, and then, then from there, I guess, within your business, look at the opportunities that you've got there. Uh, obviously, the ultimate goal there is to make your, uh, you know, to give your business competitive advantage. Um, but, you know, as you were talking there, Bill, I was thinking, you know, I mean, this is all very well for an IoT infrastructure for a business. I mean, they could have multiple sites, which is a big deal. But we hear about these uh, digital cities or connected cities more and more these days. And I know, for example, Las Vegas is a bit of a test bed there for a lot of IoT devices. And these guys here, I mean, they've got IoT sensors, uh, from what I've read, you know, right across the city. Everything from, uh, I, I don't know whether LA exactly, but I know some cities in the US here, they have intelligence uh, um, lamps. Uh, sort of lights on the street. So, you know, quite often they'd be on a timer traditionally. Well, they don't always need to come on at X time and turn off at X time. I mean, these things have got sensors in there depending on sort of, uh, um, you know, how dark it is, et cetera. Uh, you know, you've got security cameras doing various bits and pieces. And basically your IoT infrastructure in a smart city is distributed across the, the, the length and breadth of the city. So your attack surface there is potentially massive. So, uh, you know, uh, implementing something such as that would definitely come with its challenges. Sure. What about buses? Connected buses with Wi-Fi. I mean, the, the, the entire city, right? Connected cities. I absolutely agree with you. It's becoming a, a, becoming a hub. And what's really funny, you're mentioning this, you will see micro edge deployments like next to a cell tower, for example, for a city, right? Where they need to process maybe, maybe data a little bit closer, especially if it's a vast um, sort of metropolis. But as small as your IoT deployment might be, or as large as a city, you're still going to have those six core components. You're still going to have security based on that context that we talked about. Um, and really, your attack service is going to be larger potentially, but it can still be controlled in the way of understanding very core uh, where these devices are connecting into, which edge locations they're processing data with. Um, yes, it takes a little bit of extra time for you to design and deploy this because it's large scale, but it doesn't have to be hard, right? And again, if you're listening to this and you're working with a large city, just just these two points, security based on context and those six components of IoT, you can design a pretty scalable and pretty robust security strategy for your own IoT solution. Might take a little bit longer, sure, but nonetheless, if you take a step back, see the big picture and really understand the use case and the data that's being processed, you can you can get some pretty cool IoT architecture out there. Absolutely. I've seen it done. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we're, we're running short on time here. Uh, it's been fun talking about IoT. Bill, I know you're constantly speaking and, and blogging. Where should people keep up to date with you? Uh, I blog on a whole bunch of different places. So by all means, find me on a couple of really fun spots. So Data Center Frontier, you're going to find a lot of really cool stuff that I write about there. Everything from edge to IoT to how uh, uh, DevOps is evolving legacy components. Definitely find me on places like Information Week uh, and Dark Reading and Network Computing. Um, you'll have a chance to really read and understand some of the cool things that I talk about there. Everything from security to, to networking environments to working with data as a bridge between business and IT. Um, so at a high level, those are great places. But if you want to keep up to date with me, uh, just find me on the social media out there. So Twitter, my Twitter handle is QuadStack. Um, find me on LinkedIn and certainly find me on Facebook. That's always updated. and I. Uh, I love to have a collaborative, communicative conversation. So don't be a stranger. Say hi. <laughs> That's good. Hey, uh, Bill, this, is, this has been fantastic. But I have got one last question for you. Sure. Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so it's really funny you mentioned that. I've actually got a Google uh, Assistant downstairs that I've been messing around with as well. Um, you know, it, it comes down to standardization, to be honest. Um, I've got Prime 
I like Amazon. Um, I, I like what this thing can do. I like this little Amazon show because uh, it's really nifty. I mean, I can connect my um, my Nest my Nest cameras to this as well. I mean, here, Alexa, show me front door camera. And so, did you hear me, Alexa? Show me front yard camera. She got to hear you first. But uh, in that <laughs> sense, you can connect wow. to uh, to your front yard camera from Nest, and it will show you here. I don't know if you can see it or not. But yeah. right now, it's my, my front yard, or you can connect it to a ring doorbell. So Google is still catching up to that kind of architecture. But if you got cameras in your house, um, you know, she will be able to connect into that, like little shows in there as well. So me personally, I like what Alexa can do because um, she integrates with more of my environment. But listen, if you're a Google kind of a person and you like the kind of environment, it's what works for you. You know, I, I'm all about context and use case. Um, you know, don't just buy something because it's cool, even though we're all guilty of doing that. Uh, <laughs> definitely think about your use case, how much stuff can integrate into one technology because IoT, the last piece of advice before we sign off, has an extraordinary capability of complicating and fragmenting things because of all these different devices that connect. So the less you can cause fragmentation and complexity in your own environment, the better. That's why I like Wink. That's why I like Alexa. Um, that's why you can work with these kinds of environments that just basically make your life easier. Um, so, so that's my biggest recommendation. I don't think it's made more one or the other, more so about your own personal use case. Fantastic. Great advice. Cool. All right. It's been fun, Bill. Make sure if you're listening to this, follow Quadsack on Twitter. I know I do. Uh, and thanks for being on, Bill. It's been fun. See you next time. My pleasure. Woo, happy 50. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, Bill. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.